Hey everybody, welcome to episode 59 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And episode 59 is White Boy Rick focused today. It's a story of a teenager, Richard Worshey Jr., who became an undercover informant for the police during the 1980s and was ultimately arrested for drug trafficking and sentenced to life in prison. As a synopsis, they kind of tell you what happens there? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you just ruined the movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess they assume that if it's a true story and you're interested in it, you can probably just Google it and figure it out. Well, yeah. That's with any story. I don't remember if they showed that in the trailer or not, that if he no. was arrested. Well, they, they said he was working with the FBI, but not that he was sentenced to yeah. life in prison. I remember the taglines of, like, uh, hustler, informant, kingpin, whatever. But, yeah, I never said, like, life in prison. <laughs> life in prison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There's your spoiled podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's directed by Jan Demange, who didn't really have anything else to his name. I think a few other smaller movies. Cast is Richie Merritt, who plays Rick, and it's the very first movie credit he's ever had. Um, literally shows nothing else on his letterbox, or I think the IMDb as well. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Brian Tyree Henry from Atlanta, if you've seen that, who is playing a cop in this movie. So I think my issue with this movie, uh, it's not that it's bad, but I think my my main issue with this is that the trailer made it seem kind of quirky. I don't know if quirky is the right word, but it, the, the trailer made it seem a little bit more fun. Yeah, more upbeat, more fun. Yeah, yeah, than what it really was. 14-year-old kids, a kingpin of, you know, a drug lord. Yeah. You know, and that's not... And usually in some of the, the, the true story drug movies, you get a lot of scenes of them enjoying the fruits of their labor, right? Right. And, I mean, you get little snippets of that here and there. Like, he... Rolls in in a Mercedes at one point during the movie. He's going to the roller rink all the time. But, like, it never really feels like he's having fun. Well, it got to... It was really about a three-minute scene, and like you said, of him, him enjoying it. And then McConaughey said, we have enough now. Yeah. We, we can stop. And, yeah. And that was just... It was really just a, a very, very small part of the entire movie. Right. And, and he actually goes through the cycle of becoming a kingpin twice, kind of. And they they say kingpin, but like you never really feel like he's anything more than a drug dealer, like just a low level drug dealer. Like he's kind of big for his neighborhood, but that's it. So like big for a fourteen year old kid. Yeah. (laughs) So like the but the the concept of him being this good fellas blow type kingpin just doesn't. It seems overblown. Like they were trying to make it sound bigger than what it really is. So whether or not he actually was, like I guess I kind of leave the movie wondering, like okay, how, how big really was white boy rick in the in the drug game because i don't know yeah which kind of means you maybe didn't tell your story very well which comes to my criticisms of this whole thing is the storytelling of it i liked the characters i liked the story but the storytelling was just bad yeah i thought Uh, like i i wanted to know what happened to white boy rick and i liked mcconaughey's character i even liked kind of his dad uh for for, for, for burbs reasons <laughs> <Rumsfeld. Yeah. laughs> um you know and even his sister you know i yeah. was i was engaged in his friends i was engaged with the characters 
I want to know what happened, but not the story. But I liked the story too. Yeah. But just the way it was all told was kind of boring. Yeah, it's really weird to sit there and like when you think about the things that happen, and even the trailer and even the taglines, all that. Everything sounds way more fun and interesting than what it really ends up being on the screen. On the screen, it's just kind of boring and drab. Like normally in a boring movie, it's drawn out, nothing happens, but a lot happens in this, and so you're like. Well, what is it? Right. And you got to come back to the director. Uh, yeah. Just did, just did a poor job of telling that story because it's, it's a good story. There's a lot of stuff that happens to everyone that is pretty entertaining, I think. Yeah. Or, or could have been pretty entertaining. Yeah. There, there's also a lot going on, and I'm not sure it all needed to be told. Yeah. It spans over, what, four years? Yeah, four years, but there's, there's intertwinings of Rick who's it, you know kind of working for his dad hustling guns and the, I mean, the first 15 minutes you just get so much thrown at you right between you know he's helping his dad hustle guns at he's a gun show yeah, yeah he's then selling guns to the drug dealers which you think he does without his dad knowing and the cops are squeezing his dad and then because the cops are squeezing his dad they ask him to start pushing drugs so that he can be an informant so that's all i mean 15 minutes in and you're like whoa okay so he's already doing all this stuff right away but then it's like it slows down for the next 30 minutes to kind of just show his life in that drug game and it's it like we said earlier it's not overly interesting or it doesn't seem overly fun i guess so you're kind of left as what you're supposed to take away with that so you go really fast then you slow down for 30 minutes and then you kind of speed back up again and then you slow down again it, it's it's bizarrely paced like there were stretches where I was like, "How long is this movie?" I kept looking at my watch, and that's never a good sign when you're looking at your watch. You're like, no. all right, how how far do we have to go in this thing? Yeah, and like I said, it spanned over four years, so fourteen to eighteen, I think, is when he got sentenced. I think that's right. Well, I guess his, I guess Rumsfeld yelled, "He's a seventeen-year-old boy." That's right. So, but it showed each year. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, he he looks the exact same, same haircut, same <laughs> yeah. same little stash. You know, over four years. And I feel like he at least changes hair. Right. You know, because it's something to make us look like we're not in the, you know, the next day. Because it looked like it just all rolled together. Yeah. Like you could take out those years and just have him be a 17-year-old kid the whole time. Yeah. And it's like they tried to use, like, big segments of time to kind of break things up in terms of, or, like, events that happen in the plot. So, like, the first part is him, you know, working for the cops and becoming a kingpin. And then he gets shot and he's out of the game which is like the next middle segment where they're trying to figure out you know what are they going to do to survive and he doesn't like his life and his sister is gone living in a crack house and then he shifts back to being because he knows how to do that because he knows how to do it yeah he goes back to dealing the drugs and then then it's just kind of over in the blink of an eye (laughs) it's just weird because like you go fast you go slow you go fast you go slow and then it's like boom over like when the credits hit on this i was like uh what Okay. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't mad that it was over because it felt like a long movie to me, but I was just like, Ooh, that was, I guess I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. They show him sentenced. He goes to prison. They're talking to him, you know, behind he's there. What a day in McConaughey's like, we're going to appeal this. And yeah. Movie over. He's been his life in jail. Like, yeah. wait, well, wait, wait, and we don't even get to see the real guy, which it, usually on true stories, they show the real guy. They did a yeah. voiceover. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And so they had his voice and my wife was like, why didn't they show him? And I, oh, go, yeah. I go, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't look sympathetic. Right. <laughs> and so maybe you saw him, you're like, uh, I don't. Well, <laughs> and that goes, I guess, to another point about what are you supposed to take away from this movie? Because 
I never don't trust the FBI. Uh, yeah, I so, feel like that's the underlying. Well, I kind of feel like that was part of it. They they clearly made the cops, uh, the the Detroit PD and the FBI who were working together to get Rick involved in the drug game. They clearly made them totally unsympathetic, right? Like right. they made them jerks, right? But then they also seemed to not be sure about how they wanted to paint Rick. And maybe that's maybe that's okay. Maybe they just painted Rick truthfully, which is that he was a boy in a really hard city who got set up poorly by people who were trying to get bigger fish, and that ruined his life. And he was really a good kid, but he's a victim of circumstance. And then he's another victim of circumstance because once he does get busted, nobody helps him out from the government, and he gets a mandatory life sentence for dealing drugs at 17 when you know because he was over some amount of like what did they say it was it was like 650 grams and he had like eight kilos or something right. like that so I, i'm not sure one how they want you to feel about rick i kind of think they want you to be unsure about what you feel about rick they clearly want you to not like the cops but i think what they're really going for but they don't really tie it up in the end very very nicely is that they want you to be mad at the mandatory sentences like that it's unfair that okay rick did bad things and we're not going to absolve him of that but it's not right that he got life in jail at 17 but you only really get that from McConaughey and the grandpa screaming about it for like one line right so it's not really like i you don't leave the movie thinking man well, mandatory sentences are really really wrong well the and the the words at the end yeah, you know, of telling you what happened since then. Yeah, I, mean, I mean that—that's the only piece, right? And then you're like, oh, that sucks. Right, but usually you <laughs> guys been in prison for thirty years. Yeah, usually you, you would leave a movie like this, and if the director's done their job, you'd be like, oh man, I want to go read about mandatory sentencing. Like that—that that doesn't seem right. But you don't really leave that. You're just kind of like, all right, okay, fine. And I don't know if you read this or not, uh, but they said the family was upset about the portrayal of the family. Oh uh, no. And, and I was thinking back through the movie, and I go, well, that has to only be the sister, because sure. she's the only one that's still alive. And, yeah, she was a drug dealer, yeah. uh, you know. Mm -hmm. A crack cra addict. A crack addict. And so I was, like, I was reading that, and I was like, well, it has to only be her, not the family, because she's yeah. the only one in the movie. Yeah, I mean, he's in true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't really paint Rick's dad as being... But he's dead. Great. Well, no, I know he's dead, yeah. but I mean, the family could be extended family could be pissed about you know how they felt their family members were portrayed but yeah, yeah I, they no one was there right but yeah the the daughter definitely comes off as strung out through the whole entire movie but i thought she actually did a really good job of playing that i mean no i agree i thought everybody was really good at acting um in fact i think had this movie been better so like let's say this is a four-star movie I think you would have people thinking that Matthew McConaughey's performance was possibly up for best supporting actor. Right. No, I agree. Because it's that kind of movie, right? He's playing a kind of trash guy. And honestly, he plays it. Matthew McConaughey is really good at when he takes on those really quirky roles. Like <laughs> one of the best scenes in the whole movie is the one that's in the trailer in the very beginning where he's yelling about, we're going out for custard and right. get in the car. And he's yelling at his dad. Like that's the kind of quirkiness I thought we were going to get for the whole movie, but, but you don't really get it. But even when he's playing the emotional stuff, like you can see where, you know, he's he's the weird, like, kind of trash dad with skewed morals because he's fine selling guns to everybody in the neighborhood for them to shoot each other up, but he doesn't want Rick dealing drugs. Right. And I'm sure part of that's because he sees what it's doing to his daughter and everything else, but it's a good Oscar kind of kind of role. And honestly, I thought he was really good, but there's no way you're going to get a supporting actor nomination for a movie that's this. That's not good. Eh. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the mullet alone 
The mullet mullet yeah. combo with his stash for McConaughey. Yeah. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. He seems to eat up that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, he and he wears it so well. Yeah. And that alone distracted me from his performance. So I don't even know if it was a good performance. Yeah. I was just staring at that mullet yeah. and that mustache. That's... It was. It was a good performance because even the scenes where he goes to the hospital after Rick's been shot and, you know, he's sad and that turns into anger and he's thinking about shooting the drug dealer afterwards. Like, and then he thinks twice because he's just a really good actor. I mean, yeah. that was written all over his face. Mm-hmm. He, he was very good. Now, I wish I could say the same about Rick. Uh, Rick, Rick Jr., Ricky, white boy Rick. He was, he was not a, a great actor. Yeah, and I don't know. It's his first movie. So yep. is it him or is it the role? Because I kind of feel like he nailed the role if they were going for kind of a dim-witted victim of circumstance, almost borderline slow Rick, like if that's how he was. Really? I mean... He, I, he, I didn't get that portrayal that he was dim-witted or slow well it's not like i'm not sure they meant to but that's how he came off to me that he was like just i don't know like like he's not the he's not the brightest one i mean they talk about how he dropped out of high school at 14 and he wasn't able to go back after he got shot so i mean i don't think he's overly educated but it just i I thought they were going with the he's street smart kind of guy because that's how he he sold the guns and then i think so but you know you never really had that moment of showing how slick he is right like Slick Rick? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he did go in and sell those guns, but it wasn't like this. He basically used what his dad told him, like, one minute before about the burgers and the fries. Right. So I never really got the feeling that they thought much of Rick (laughs) after telling this story. And it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, the only reason you got in this situation, Rick, was because your dad told you how to sell the guns. The FBI gave you drug money. And then, you know, you learned all these things from that. And then you just got busted in the end. And so it doesn't really feel like it's because Rick was smart or ingenious or came up with some way of doing things. It's just like a total victim of circumstance, I guess, is how it felt like it was portrayed. The one thing I really struggled with in the middle of the movie, so I think everything is supposed to turn when Rick gets shot. Yeah. He's working for the police department and the FBI, but also dealing drugs. And he's in. And I kind of know what they were trying to get you to think. So this whole situation goes down where his old drug gang goes out to Vegas for a, a fight, and one of their guys tells him that he's got on front row tickets at the fight. They go out there, they don't really have front row tickets, and they get shown up by a, a rival, rival yeah. drug dealer, right? So then when they come back, they want retribution on that guy for making him look bad. And a couple of the drug kingpin guys that Rick works for go and shoot up the guy's house. Yeah. But he's not there, and they end up killing his, a kid. His nephews are there, Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I get all that. That's fine. But what I don't understand quickly thereafter is the the kingpin that Rick's working for is kind of like, well, somebody's got to go down for this, and we've got to make it right because you know he's getting yelled at by his drug lords and above him and everything. And somehow that equates to Rick getting shot. Well, it was more than that because he talked to his. You mentioned he talked to his drug lord yeah. boss and he was saying do you trust everybody in your in your house you know because somebody's talking to somebody yeah and he kind of scanned the room and then they show you know the white kid in the room you know and yeah so, so i feel like he put the dots together and because he was an informant is why but i don't shot. i don't understand what the vegas setup had anything to do with being an informant uh i don't think it did and that's where i think it got yeah. messy I think because he called him and he said, I'm getting, you know, the house is raided. The mayor, you know, and the mayor's house is. Yeah. 
being raided and, and all that because somebody's talking in your crew. Right. But it's, so I, I think those were separate. <laughs> yeah. I, I think those were separate things. But they happen yeah. like boom, boom, boom. Correct. So you're led to Correct. believe that the shootings, like the Vegas incident is tied to the shooting of the kids. And see, I thought, after I thought about it after the movie, I thought it was somehow tied to the fact, because in that news report, they mentioned like AKs being used. So I thought that they were trying to go shoot Rick to kind of clean up the, the AK-47 no, issue in some roundabout way. But I don't, I don't think that's... Yeah, if what you're saying is true, they did a horrible job of editing that middle piece because they truly make you think that the Vegas incident caused them to go shoot up the house, which is true, which then they needed to clean up and somehow they shot Rick as a cleanup for the kids being killed in the shootout, which made no sense to me whatsoever. No, I think the kids moved the FBI faster than they wanted to. Okay. And to try to, that's how I gathered it. Okay. Is things escalated too quickly. And so kids are now dead on the news. So we need to act fast. So now we're just going to use the information we have to raid the governor's mansion or the the mayor's house. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's kind of how I read, but yes, it, it does happen very quickly and all crammed together and you can tell the directors like all these things happened yeah so i want to make sure they're all in there you know yeah and so and that's sort of my problem is like we talked about the first 15 minutes being fast right and then it slows down and then that middle section where he gets shot and everything that happens around it is another crazy fast pace and then it slows way down again and then the very end like we mentioned too is is rushed with you know the sentencing and him getting like you don't even really get to see him build up his empire on the back end of everything, you know, to become that second kingpin this time without the FBI. It's just, it goes fast, slow, fast, slow, fast. And you're just, I'm not sure the slow parts needed to be slow because they don't really gain anything. It's like you went long on the pieces that I don't care about. And there's no real tension, right? Like you're not really sure the second go around, the, the cops aren't really hunting Rick. The cops just kind of show up at the end. Right. And snag him. Which I don't even remember why. It, it it was something about how, well, okay, so the cops actually realize that Rick's back in the game, and they convince him to set up the mayor's niece. Oh, that's right. That's so, right. Yeah. and that's where they're like, we can't promise you that you, you'll get off the hook on this, because Matthew McConaughey is trying to broker a deal for his son. Like, right. okay, if we do this, and they're like, well, we can't put it in writing, so then they go ahead and do it, and then they hang him out to dry. Right. Again, like... All, everything is there. There's a good movie here based on the story. It's just not on the screen. Right. And of course, this is all coming from Rick's perspective. Yes. And so this is Rick's book that Rick wrote. Right. And so whether half this stuff actually happened. You know, true. Who, who knows? Yeah. But it is. It's his, his true story. Yeah. Which I think everything that we know now, you know, 30 going on 40 years removed almost from the war on drugs in the eighties and stuff. I think it's believable. It's totally believable that they would hang somebody out. I mean, what do they care about a 15 year old boy in Detroit? Right. Or dad. Yeah. I mean, they got, what's his dad going to do? Right. They got the mayor and whoever else they brought down with their tactics and no, they tried to get the mayor and they couldn't. So they stuck it on Rick. I I didn't even pick up on that. I mean, I knew they were going after bigger fish. Now, whether they got them or not, it was just sort of, well, McConaughey says that. He says, yeah, well, when he, you didn't, you didn't get your big fish, so you, you, you take my son instead. Type yeah, of thing. but something that you would think would be bigger in the movie, right? Like, again, if you're wanting to paint Rick as the victim of circumstance, you think you'd make it really, really apparent that he got screwed over and they still didn't get the guy as opposed to McConaughey literally just saying it in one line, right? Like, they don't yeah. do a good job. They really just follow Rick 
and everything that happens to Rick. And they just try and quickly tell you or show you in like very quick bursts around him what's happening instead of just, you know, giving you all the goods of the story. Because that's part of what makes some of these movies good, like Goodfellas and Blow, is there's always somebody on the trail and they're, they're trying to build their money while dodging. I mean, even now a movie that came out in the last year or two, American Made with Tom Cruise. I mean, part of what makes that movie good is he, there's always somebody on the tail of him, whether it's the drug lords or uh, the FBI, right? There's... There's a cat and mouse. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in White Boy Rick, and maybe that's just part of the story, is you know, there's really no cat and mouse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah they're, I they're mean, there, there could, and then they're not. Yeah, th- there could have been. Like, the, the main drug dealer who shoots him or whatever orders him to be shot. I mean, yeah, you could have him trying to figure out who's telling on him, who's sneaking this stuff, or you could have the cops, you know, doing a little bit more. Yeah, and I think there could have been more with him getting shot, because you don't, yeah, I mean, they that's a surprising scene. It's his friend, yeah. you know, and then he's going to get him a drink and he turns around and gets shot. So that I don't necessarily need the drug lord to be because I, I, I do think that they showed him and the way that they showed Rick hiding in the corner, you know, when he's talking about, do you trust everybody? Yeah, clearly suspects, you know, Rick. Um, but yeah, I do think there should be more of a who's the mole type of conversations going on. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, but, I, but I did like the shock value of him getting shot because I didn't think his friend was going to shoot him. No, I yeah. didn't either. I mean, I, once he asked him for a drink and went to the fridge, I was like, "Ooh, this is feeling weird." And I then when he got shot, but yeah, when like he first came over, I was like, "Oh, I mean, they have no." It didn't cross my mind because at the time I felt like they had no reason to shoot Rick because I thought everything was tied back to the one guy's nephew getting shot in the house, with, yeah. and Rick had nothing to do with that. So, yeah. Um, it's disappointing. It was disappointing. It's, yeah. it's a fine movie, but disappointing based on what I wanted to see going in. All right, so let's run through this then. What did you rate it and why? I gave it a three, and I think that's entirely McConaughey. Yeah, um, I, mean, <laughs> I would totally agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm probably two and a half, could be even lower. Yeah, uh, if I truly think about it. But the acting, like we mentioned, wasn't bad. You know, it the movie itself, yeah, let down, and so. I gave it a three w- when I saw it, but as we're talking about, I would be probably less than that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but it's, it's squarely on McConaughey. Okay. And his mullet. <laughs> the mullet made it. Yes. Favorite moment? Uh, <laughs> it was basically every McConaughey scene, but uh, the one the one that's the best is when he's in the basement. He calls him out for wearing the the Star of David. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> and he didn't even know what the Star of David. Did you convert? To, yeah, you know? and he has no idea what he he's talking no, about. He just thought it was a cool star. Yeah, you know, a cool gold star that he's wearing around. Yeah, and I think he, I think McConaughey even makes a comment about how stupid his friends are that he's hanging out with too, because like nobody nobody knew. They just no. thought it was a cool looking star. You're right. <laughs> no, that, that was a great scene. But yeah. again, everything with McConaughey, uh, he did everything really well. Yeah. Uh, what's one thing you would change? Just the storytelling. I mean, it's all there. Uh, you had a lot to work with. Um, you had a good, you had a good story, and you had good actors, and you had good characters. The, the storytelling, yeah, was just bad, right? And so, I mean, I didn't have one one thing to the point, but new director. Uh, <laughs> sure. I guess th- there we go. Yeah, theater or couch? It's couch. You paying or waiting I, for free? This should be free. Okay. Popcorn movie or art house film? <sighs> popcorn movie i mean yeah. it's not it's not pretentious no but i felt like yeah popcorn yeah oscar or razzie razzie yeah okay if you liked blink you would like this movie 
So I went for All the Money in the World. I wish I had seen that. It, I don't know if you wish for that. Well, I wish I had seen it to have. I, I wanted to see it, and it'd be nice to have context for your comparison. So, and, and the reason for All the Money in the World is because they have, it's a true story. They have good characters uh, lined out. They just tell it poorly. Like, like Getty is a, a really interesting character to center a movie around. And even the story of his um, family getting kidnapped, you know, and ransom and, and all that, that's, you could do a lot with that, but it was very, it was boring because yeah. the, the only thing that you had was them moving his son from place to place. But again, like you said, nobody was really chasing them. And then it just kind of ended. Like the, end, the whole movie was boring, but, but I felt like all the components were there. That's why I, I use that one. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I will say that I, <laughs> my thought process for finding a comparable movie sounds like it was the same as yours. I my literally what I operated on when searching my memory was what is a boring true story that I've seen? <laughs> Cause I mean, that was the, my, that was my overarching feeling leaving this movie was right. a boring true story. Right. Yeah. So what was your rating? Yeah. You know, so honestly for us, talking about how we're a podcast where we argue a lot we're, we're just like in lockstep on this one i i left the theater thinking two and a half um i thought about it a little bit more and i went to a three and i literally wrote three because of mcconaughey yeah just like you just said yeah but then the more i started writing my notes and in the review our written reviews that we put out there i was like yeah i mean my gut feeling leaving that movie was two and a half which for me is like you know, we talk about this all the time, but for me, it's on the bad side of average. I agree. And even at two and a half, it's still because of McConaughey. I just, it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile a strong rating when you, your overarching feeling leaving a movie is that was just boring. You know, I, yeah. so I, I just, I couldn't give it a three. And which makes these podcasts hard because they're just meh. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, I want to either hate it. Right. Or, or love it. So where we can, we can fight about that. Yeah. But, but these are just like. Eh. I know. And it's it's so funny because I hear people say that all the time. They're like, why aren't you guys arguing as much? And I'm like, well, when I think back of the movies of 2018, like there hasn't been a whole lot that's been overly polarizing. Now right. we're getting ready to get into our first Oscar season of podcasts, which usually there's some differentiation there between you and I. But like, even the ones I think we've argued about, we're getting way off topic, but even the ones we've argued about a lot this year have been ones that like we both like just to different degrees right like so it's been weird but yeah i mean what can you say about a movie that you go see like i imagine most i, I don't think when we're gonna look at letterbox for white boy rick you're gonna see fives and ones you're gonna see right in the middle twos to three and a half and so what do you want to say about a two to three and a half movie yeah so what was your favorite moment um i couldn't quite decide you went with the star of david so i'll take uh, the second one I had, which was that opening scene that's in the trailer about going to get custard with the family. And he's got the AK out in the middle of the street and his daughter's running around in her underwear and right. he's yelling at his dad and his dad's <laughs> yelling at him. That was a great scene. Great way to start the movie. Unfortunately, there's literally no other scene like it in the whole rest of the movie. I agree. I agree. Uh, that was good too. Yeah. Uh, and one thing you would change. Um, so we, we belabored the, the pacing and the storytelling point. So I'll, I'll take a different route on that one, but you know, make you feel one way or the other about Rick. I mean, maybe that was by choice that they just wanted him to seem kind of nebulous and you shouldn't like him or love him. He's just somewhere in between. But when you don't feel, I mean, Rick, the character doesn't feel anything in the movie. He's very monotone and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's getting, not getting shot. Didn't feel like he <laughs> yeah, cared that right. he got shot, other than he has to pee in a bag, and even that was right. Okay, yeah, that's the only time there was any emotion of no, you washed the bag, right? That that was it. So it's hard to get emotional about someone who's not emotional in the movie. So I, I would maybe give Rick a little bit more color, I guess. So theater or couch? I'm the same as you all the way across the board on these. Couch, don't pay for it. Popcorn movie, and yeah, it's gonna get it. Well, it's not gonna get, but. Razzie is what I would give it if I had to. Yeah, and so if you liked what, you would like this movie. Again, boring true story, but one you haven't seen. Black Mass, the Johnny Depp, Whitey Bulger story that you would think would be good because it's Boston crime with Johnny Depp and Joel Edgerton, I think, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Good good cast. It's a fine movie, but kind of forgettable and boring. That's probably why I didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's... like, if you hadn't seen White Boy Rick, I'd be like, eh, I'm not sure you need to see White Boy Rick. And that's the same as Black Mass. Like, yeah, if you're bored one day, sure, check it out. But, you know. And we were talking earlier, you know, it used to be Johnny Depp was, oh, Johnny Depp. You know, yeah. go see a Johnny Depp movie. And I was like, eh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's in it? Yeah. Hey. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you guys liked White Boy Rick maybe a little bit more than us. But I get the impression that most people that see this movie are falling in that same range of, yeah, fine, whatever. Move on. Yeah, wait wait for the YouTube clips of just McConaughey, <laughs> yeah. and then you're good. Yeah, I mean, if you're a huge McConaughey fan, definitely check it out, because he's fantastic in it. But yeah, he's, he saves it for what it is. <laughs> All right, well, as usual, check us out on Facebook or go to twoviesmovies.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on either iOS or Android, and leave us a rating and a review in one of the podcast stores. That will definitely help us out. So we will catch you next time. <laughs>